Oh, look at that. I knew something about a punk band. Just some old fat drunk dudes jumping up and down. (laughs) This tree just planted itself right on top of the cement. I did watch a YouTube video today. My dad mashed potatoed of Chris Carava. Aaron doesn't know who Chris (laughs) Carava is. It's so good. That's great. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Punk Tree. Um, here we are again, and uh, we're going to kick it off with our normal question of what have you guys been listening to lately? So, uh, Jesse, you want to kick us off? Yeah, for sure. I definitely took your recommendation this past week from when we were chatting a, a bit ago for a band that I, I'm not normally into, but you told me to listen to the new Strung Out album, which was um, it's called Songs of Armor and Devotion. I listened to the album front to back, and I was... I really really liked it i was digging it um particularly what i loved about it was um just the guitars sounded fantastic it was just like exactly how i like rhythm guitars to sound in i don't it doesn't necessarily have to be punk music but how i like guitars to sound in like rock music in general they were just fat and beefy guitars in the rhythm and uh in fact i would even say that part of the reason there's a lot of bands within the punk genres that I don't like is when their guitars just sound like really thin like just like there's not any meat on the bones with the guitar and some punk sounds too thin but this album just was big in the guitar so I I need that and uh, there's a few songs that particularly caught my ear um I know I texted you about it but like um the song Ulysses off that record was like hella catchy <laughs> <laughs> anyways it was like a super catchy song and i really liked it and then uh there was a few more there was i think there was one called hammer down it was just was awesome anyways i loved the record um and i definitely would listen to it again even though um uh, strung out wasn't a band i was into previously but i pretty much am now so thanks Aaron. about you mike yeah i um so we were talking about about shows we went to uh in a previous episode and uh we're gonna get back to that a little bit today um and i started digging back into the the old music uh a little and so uh i pulled out an old band um that i saw like in high school that was an opening act and it was one of those bands where you're like, whoa, these guys are great. And that's like the first, when you go to the merch table, it was the first like CD that I bought that night. Um, it was a band called uh, called No Motive. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the band No Motive. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, they were kind of like a, right at the end of, uh, or right like kind of at the beginnings of like pop punk um and even like a tiny bit of like the emo side of that like as as the pop punk thing branched toward emo a little bit they were they were right there so they kind of had that still a little bit of like skate punk kind of feel but they had these kind of like wide open breakdowns um even like soft and like thoughtful open breakdowns and stuff that i really liked um and so i i've been like repeating that actually went on a bike ride last night and i had like 
my Bluetooth speaker. And this was one of the like albums that I went over to as I was like riding around. How about um, you? How about you, Aaron? Uh, so, <clears throat> actually, uh, I think last week, or maybe this week, I can't remember, but I suggested to one of you that you should start listening to Pulley. And uh, then as like that got me thinking, and the song ADD, you know, Mommy Takes My Riddle and It's Not Enough For Me, she says, started going through my head. And then I realized, wait a minute, that's 10-foot pole. And so... I uh, busted out the old 10 foot pole and started listening to that again. Um, and I, you know, it's one of those bands that like I listened to a lot um, a long time ago and then, you know, got into like metal and hardcore and stuff and kind of drifted away from punk for a while. But I remembered why I loved those bands because they write really well. Like, you might be able to say they're not terribly complicated, but it's really good songwriting, both musically and lyrically. And uh, they have a lot, of, a good mix of <clears throat> very serious songs, but also some very, um, uh, what do you call it? sarcastic songs or satire songs. And I really, really like that. That's a, that was me that you recommended Pulley to. I think we were talking about like, oh, hey, we're gonna do a workout. What should I listen to? And you, yeah, you, you you sent Pulley my way. I didn't get into it yet, but that's because I took your first recommendation and kind of been running with uh, strung out first. So I'll get into Pulley. It's still literally on a on a note right here. Let's get into our topic. Yeah. So today we are going to talk about the difference between shows and concerts. Um, this is something that is quite important and sort of unique to the punk scene and history. Um, so let's start off with um, what do you guys think are some defining characteristics of a show? I would say, um, especially knowing that we're trying to, to make a distinction between the two, something about a show it feels smaller in like physical size i would say that's an aspect yeah i i think there's also just a uh uh who who is who's organizing and who's running who's running the thing um you're not having uh all of the commercialism that surrounds concert going so you know like these big concerts that are are held up by radio stations that are advertising them sponsors that are selling stuff uh a concert hall venue stadium whatever it is that's selling nachos and beer just like they would sell for a hockey game or a baseball game or something uh you don't have the like that that big set of middlemen between the artists and the the audience that i think you have at these huge not even huge but just kind of all concerts 
at shows it's a lot more like hey guys like we've got our demo back there on a table if you if you've got a few bucks you know when we get off the stage like we'd love to hang out with you guys we're going to be back at the table we're going to be back in the merch area you know you see the band smoking a cigarette out front of whatever place it is um so that that, that contact is a lot closer i th- i think i think one other thing i think of is like um if it's going to be a show like whatever bands are playing at that smaller venue um they might be like advertised on like a little um, like chalkboard out at the front door, maybe by the, by the bouncer. It'll be like, Oh, this is the band. The band name probably is, is spelled incorrectly. Cause, cause it's just some little band. Cause that happens to us all the time. <laughs> that happens to us all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or like our band name is like too long. So they'll just like skip one of the words or just like definitely not put, put the whole thing up there. But like, if it's a show, you're definitely not going to see it like advertised on like, a marquee in front of a big venue or, or anything like that. It's, if it's going to be a show, it's like a whiteboard dry erase marker out front by the bouncer. <laughs> you know, you've hit the big time in show world when your name is spelled correctly on like a, a Bud Light chalkboard. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a, one of the things <laughs> that's a defining characteristic. Yeah. yeah. And Mike mentioned um, bands it'd be a small band, you know, we've got our demo out of the merch table. Um, but this could even be bigger bands, you know, like, um, especially when I was really getting into punk, like the smaller, well, the bigger bands and like the epitaph world, like Voodoo Glow Skulls and Pulley. Um, you know, you, we saw them at Jerry's pizza in Bakersfield and like, we only knew about them because we went to another show and saw the flyer, up on the wall at Jerry's Pizza. Like that's the only advertisement you would get, you know, because you go to these places and there will be just posters all over the wall, like the little, you know, like six inch by nine inch thing that someone in the band or one of their friends drew up and then um, copied a bazillion um, copies of. And then, you know, like some of those would be way out of date. Like you'd be like, oh, no effects is coming. Wait, that was six months ago. Why is no one taking these down? Um, yeah, and 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 even the like that's str- the street scene kind of way of doing things. You know, like you're on a you're on a street team or you're you're on the mailing list, and someone's getting the info, and it's sort of the the grassroots job of a super fan to be the person who gets word out to things. I even remember being like on someone's street team. And, and we're trying to figure out whose parents have a copy machine at their work. And would they let us, like, could, could you print, like, 50 of these for us? We got these flyers. Like, would it be okay? You know, do they have color printing? Like, oh, my gosh. Your, your mom has a color printer at her office? Like, <laughs> it's kind of like that. Um, now that we've kind of talked about what a show is, what is a concert? I guess it kind of would be the opposite of that, right? I think Mike touched on it at least a little bit. I think he could elaborate more, but like there's definitely something about the way that it's promoted. Um, um, So you said something about like, there's definitely more middlemen and like probably money spent on advertising it like radio, billboard, whatever else. What what else did you, were you thinking on that front, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's the space to me. So, you know, in a show you are right up physically 
with the musicians, like you are right there and you're right there physically with the, with the audience. Um, you're also there like in contact with like, if you are buying a t-shirt from the band, the odds are very high that that band folded that t-shirt and put that on the thing or like somebody's girlfriend or somebody's wife or somebody's friend like was helping to do whatever it was. Um, and so there's sort of this like commercial closeness, physical closeness, uh, that kind of thing that I think is like for sure a part of it. I mean, I remember being in like a tiny band and or a band playing these shows and like jumping off stages with a guitar. Right. And it, I knew everybody for the most part that was catching me. Right. But it was that close proximal kind of thing. I feel like at a lot of the concert feel it's, it's, you know, you've got the stage and then you've got like that gap in front of the stage before the yeah. crowd with bouncers yeah, sitting on it. to like, you know, if somebody crowd surfs up, they get taken around to the back. Um, you have sometimes seating where you have like assigned tickets and seating you have, you know, food areas or you have drink areas that are separated from like wherever else. Whereas like in some like show shows and I even like think of like backyard shows and stuff. Like it was just so much sloppier than that. Like you would have things spilt on you. You'd have people coming up on the stage and singing words into a microphone or you would be going up, you know, I was just looking through some old stuff. I was cleaning up and I found some pictures from a slick shoes show when I was in college and I'm up there on the microphone. Like I found a picture of me singing on the microphone during a Slick Shoes show in college because it was just very close. There was no bouncer. The stage was like one foot above where we were standing. And, you know, the lines were very, very taken away, not even blurred, just like they weren't there. Yeah, so my main takeaway from, from some of that was you will never find a barricade at a show. Concerts, you're going to find barricades with those like – security guys that are just always looking like this they're facing away from the band they're just waiting for someone to like like you said crowd surf up to the front and they yank them down but you'll never find a barricade with like security guards between the participants in the band at a, at a show yeah and like even like the, the process of like letting people in and like the checking of ideas and bracelets and you're allowed in this area or you're not allowed in this area and we're separating people out um shows are like the most democratic thing like you are completely just there and everyone's in it together and there's no hierarchy of like you bought a more expensive ticket or you bought a cheap ticket you have a seat you don't you're back on the grass you're not it's just everyone is in it together including the band like it's almost like they're not even above everybody i i used to love playing shows at like this old veterans hall that was like near us and we we were we played on the floor like there was no stage or anything it was just old wooden floor like veterans hall post place and like it was awesome and it was a mess like we trashed the place but it was so fun um i think of that and i think of like backyard shows where you know someone's standing at the side gate of a house and they're and and you still maybe have people paying like five bucks to get in or something right like and i remember i remember that like oh we're setting it up and we are kind of behaving like larger venues might behave in terms of like bands come in on this side of the house and people who are paying to get in go on this side of the house and whatever. But what happened in there was completely different. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Aaron? You've been kind of asking the questions and just, just hearing us out. Like, do you agree with some of this or do you have any other thoughts about like, like what the characteristics of a show or concert are? Yeah. So um, 
what I'm hearing from you guys, and I, I haven't heard anything that I disagree with, um, but it sounds like from what we're talking about is there's <clears throat> a large difference in um, how things are controlled and who controls them. So like in shows, Mike mentioned bands kind of do everything. Like we talked about the posters are usually um, drawn up by the band member or the, the, the flyers, you know, the flyers advertising the show. Um, drawn up by the band members or band members, friends. Um, you go to the merch booth at a show, oftentimes it would be someone from the band um, selling you the t-shirt or the CD or the tape or whatever it was, um, or just hanging out there um, waiting to meet you. Um, so here you have a situation where it's the band or someone close to the band or the venue itself that is controlling everything at the show. Um, so like Mike said, it's much more democratic and there's very, there's a lot fewer middlemen that are dabbling in all this versus at a concert. We talked about radio advertisement and like huge billboards and stuff. <clears throat> so you have a lot of commercial interest where people are sponsoring it. People, have money invested you know like a lot of times you'd have the radio station outside of the venue polluting the noise with all their are we allowed to say on here no I that's so. that's too vulgar too vulgar aaron okay. i'll make it explicit and we'll be okay great yeah. can you just bleep that out so people think that i cursed <laughs> that's a good idea <laughs> i actually had one other thought one other thought to add um i would i would say that if if you're buying a a, a ticket for a concert versus a show. Um, the show will not have all of these additional fees and surcharges. You know, sometimes you'll buy a, a concert ticket and it's like, oh, 25 bucks. But then like, after all the fees, you're paying like $39. You're like, what? Whereas if it's a show, the concert's eight bucks and you pay eight bucks. Well, there yeah. might be a small like a, what do they call it? A um, convenience fee, which brings it up to like two bucks, 10 bucks. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We, we used to do some creative <clears throat> stuff with like, cause I, I think there's also a thing here that like, it's, it's okay for the band to make a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. like the band needs to be able to cover playing and doing stuff and buying new drum heads and buying their, you know? Um, and so we had some interesting stuff we would do. Like we set up merch, on the outside one time when we were putting on a show and this might get into like a future conversation about just like the DIY ethic of this stuff. Um, but we had the merch, a merch table on the outside before you could get into like the little hall where everybody played. And if you bought one of the band's shirts or one of their albums, you got into the show for free. And so it was sort of like two birds with one stone because people were just like, we had a whole bunch of CDs that we had like, like had and like we were trying to get them to people and like some demo stuff that somebody had. And it was like, oh, you paid five bucks for this, just you go in. We're just, like, we're just trying to get music out there to people. Um, so like there also is like this creative stuff that would happen when, when the bands had say over how they wanted things to operate. And when the record companies, radio stations, promoters like got their hands on it and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you add all these other people in the middle, all of a sudden you're removed from, you know, I, I even knew uh, I had a friend who like ended up playing in other bands and the conversation was about like, it was just weird because like we had t-shirts printed and we hated them, right? Like the cover of the album that we put out, we didn't like it. 
like they put a they put a song on 91x from the album and it was one of our least favorite tracks but it was the one they picked and they said was going to be the single um so it's interesting and i think like that diy ethic which you know maybe we get into we're seeing some some like return to that right now almost by force in terms of like what does going to a show look like today we're in quarantine we're in the COVID 19 crisis there are no physical concerts happening and so a lot of what we are now seeing is sort of this like how do artists and musicians put their work out and share with people and how do people who are like starving for the experience of like attending music um, events like how are they being fed and so we're seeing the shift and I, I don't think it's simply virtual concerts that are happening now and like people live streaming on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, I think for a while now there has been this like using, using media, using, using streaming, um, using the ease now of putting out content on the internet. We're seeing almost like this bougie return to like the small intimate setting. Um, and, and we, we saw it a lot with like kind of like hipster indie folk like thing, like home concerts got popularized. You would see really, really like well-known and brand new startup groups that realized like you can do a home show and 2 million people can come to it, uh, which is fascinating. I know some artists, like I'm thinking of uh, like Derek Webb, um, who a singer songwriter, and he only was doing home shows. Like this is a person who has played to thousands of people in shows and he's, he's on, on home show tours where friends are getting together and booking him and he's coming to one of their houses and putting on a show for like 30 people in their living room. Oh, wow. Um, and that's like an interesting model. He's one of the most innovative people in terms of like what do models of like the new thing look like. He's the one who created, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the online site where you can buy music and pay what you want yeah I'm, i don't remember what it was called it's um not Bandcamp. the other one i can't think of it off the top of my head but i definitely know what you yeah. mean he did start that site yeah um i think he's i think he sold it now i don't think he has it anymore that's true that's true um i'm gonna look it up right now because I, I really want to remember noise trade he was the one noise who founded trade, noise trade right. um and so, you know, I think there's that. I think there's also like this big move that happened, like NPR's Tiny Desk series. Like the hosting, even from like, is NPR a record label? Kind of, because they have this massive YouTube like empire of famous people and somewhat famous people coming in and standing around a tiny desk with superb audio quality and putting out content. Um, I think that there's a little bit of, of a connection between, between Welcome us. Welcome to things. our edition of Tiny Desk Concerts. We are the legendary Roots Group. My name is Quasso. Let's get into it. One, two, three. I also see the 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 foundation of of playing the shows and how it, it builds to like the concerts that I, I've really enjoyed. And so, you know, whether it's me playing on my front porch as a kid or going to see friends bands in backyards or, you know, old, like I said, veterans halls and things. Um, and eventually getting shows at real clubs, at real venues, we felt like, you know, the real venue where they're like tickets. And what a yeah. feeling to have your, your band's name on a ticket stuff. That was like a really big deal. Um, outside. Yeah, like that was a really big deal, even though, you know, you drove two hours to play and you got paid $40. 
you know, which is like a very common thing. I think one time Jesse and I played a show at the soda bar a few years ago and we got paid seven dollars. It was seven dollars. Yeah, it was seven, it was a five and two ones, I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but but I then I look then I go to shows where there's or a concert, a big show. Like Jesse, I'm th- remembering when we went to Anaheim, we saw Switchfoot and uh, Reliant K. And Reliant K had not played music in a while. And and Matt Thiessen went through a lot of personal things, a lot of rough time personally. And he wrote this album. And it was like, you know, this is a this is a pop punk band that probably models itself most after no effects. That's like the band they reference a lot when they think insp- inspiring bands. And this, their most recent album a few years ago was like not a punk rock album. Like it has some elements. The Air for, for, Air for Free? Yeah, Air for Free. It was written as like a, I need to deal with some things that have been happening in my life. And I need to share with all of you because you use this art for your own lives. And you have been doing so for a long time. And so you go to the show and it's like, wow. Yes, they played some songs that are like known punk rock jams. People are jumping around. And then there was like the intimacy of like, I'm going to drop this down. I'm going to be so vulnerable as I sit here at this piano and I share something with everybody. And in the same time, John Foreman is jumping off the stage, walking through the crowd, standing on our handrails like a crazy person. And I admire him immensely as a songwriter. I also admire him immensely as a performer because he's not full of shit. Like he is he is doing what he really believes in the moment right then and the style of music isn't always my favorite but the the realness right the transparency and authenticity of it is is huge and so you can see to me how that ties back to like man being that kid in those clubs with no stage and your friends grabbing the microphone from you and the line being blurred of like i am performing and you are here to be a consumer as opposed to like we're here to have an experience together where's god in the city life where's god in the city life where's god in the earthquake where's god in the genocide where are you in my broken heart everything seems to fall apart everything feels rusted over Tell me that you're there. And and I know that John Foreman is all about that, even though he's so versatile that he covers concerts down to shows. Like what he did a few years ago when he made that documentary. Oh, yeah. I think it was called 24. Five and 24. 25 and 24, yeah. Do you know about that, Aaron? He did this thing where he, he literally took 24 hours and he played 25 shows. Not concerts, shows for sure. He went to different venues and actually played shows, 25 shows. And so he he turned it into a documentary and then he put that up and fans, he actually encouraged fans to have intimate viewing parties to watch this documentary. Yeah. I One thing I'm wondering, and maybe we can close with this, is if, if you could, if you could create uh, a show or concert and and you could you can kind of like choose your dichotomy here like you could have some crazy bands that you've seen in like large concert world tour kind of stuff and you could have them play in the smallest intimate setting you want or or vice versa you could have like a, a local band that maybe you know of that you think was really great or a lesser known band that you 
you really loved and you could have them play in like the biggest fanciest stadium or whatever with the best sound system concert hall anything you choose um and i'm giving you time to think about it right now because i'm springing this on you what would what would that that look like what would that show what would that concert look like and i can go first if you want i've already got i mean a few things came to mind like almost right away but like you said you just spring it on us so i want to I want to get a good answer. That's fine. So mine, I, I thought of off the top of my head was, uh, you know, I'm here in my garage recording and, and Jesse and I play a lot of music in, in my garage. So it is set up for a mediocre uh, band to, to play some, some tunes. I would love to have some just insanity in the space really tiny like this. So if I could have like under oath and norma jean play a show in my one car garage i think that that would be phenomenal like maybe we open the garage door and just let the cops come when they come um with just like five or six friends crammed in here with the bands that would be a blast I would say um, poison the well at the soda bar. And I'm not sure exactly how big they are now. At one point they were pretty big, but they have just a huge sound. Like they just sound big and tight and they put on a fantastic, not terribly crazy, but kind of powerful show. And uh, filling up the soda bar with that would just be awesome. All right, all right, I've got mine down. I figured it out. Okay, I had to take a few notes so I wouldn't forget. Okay, so first of all, I would play, I, I would want this show to be just at some local small venue, you know, like 100 people maybe. And one of the main things I would say I want this show to have is the, like my friends there. Like I don't want to be at this show with too many strangers. So <clears throat> I've got, I've got some, um, where did I put it? Ah, shoot, I lost my note. Okay. We've got Carly Rae Jepsen as the opening act, <laughs> followed by Mike, our band. And then we're opening for the band Acceptance and Beloved. So we've Ooh. got four bands, small venue, Carly Rae Jepsen, us, acceptance and beloved and um yeah that's it that is the weirdest show that's so weird why, why um call me maybe why why carly ray jepson you don't love carly ray jepson no i don't have feelings about her now i i'm pretending to be surprised but but yeah i i enjoy carly ray jepson that's <laughs> so good uh, I don't think a lot of people know acceptance or beloved actually um, I know beloved but I do not know acceptance um, acceptance it was just a really great uh, band they put out a record called um, ghosts probably around 2000 
four or five. And that's just one of my all time favorite records, but then they didn't do anything for like 10 or 12 years. And then they put out a record a few years back um, called colliding by design, something like that, which was different than their first record, but it's just a band that was kind of like a one album. And then they just went away. Same with beloved. They put out, um, one record gosh why can't i remember the title called, called failure on oh my gosh failure on by beloved is one of my favorite records uh of all time as well but they only put out one record and then they kind of split and i choose to put acceptance and beloved on this show bill because they were bands that i did never get to see live and um they've been pretty inactive as far as uh, performances for more than a decade Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to The Punk Tree. We love having these conversations and we hope that you are enjoying listening along. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on the podcast app that you listen through, it would be greatly appreciated. And there's nothing wrong with listening to some Carly Rae Jepsen. You guys be excellent to each other. See you later. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.